It's upfront and it's candid. This is Unrestricted. What's happening, everybody? This week on Unrestricted, I sat down with a former teammate of mine, good friend of mine, Jim Kleinsaucer, played 13 years for one team. That's right, one team, your Minnesota Vikings. He comes from uh, Carrington, North Dakota, played at UND, uh, was basically a stud at every level. And, um, yeah, Jimmy, it's funny because – Jimmy, to me, is one of those guys that deserves to be in the Vikings ring of honor that maybe doesn't have the accolades as far as Pro Bowls, all pros, all these other like, you know, high NFL awards. But to me, he personifies everything that you look for in a football player. And um, and I think that his status here in town kind of reflects that. I mean, he is sort of this cult icon and Everybody that I talk to uh, that knows Jimmy, they just light up with a huge smile, and they are so proud that he represented the Minnesota Vikings in this community in the way that he continues to do. So this is Jimmy, everybody. I mean, if, if you've never heard him, I think you may be surprised about how just bright and fun and, uh, and energetic he is and the personality that he has because he comes off like he's a big freaking caveman like he's this bigger than life um you know sasquatch or something that doesn't seem approachable but he's always smiling he's always laughing he's a great guy so this is jimmy klein saucer unrestricted are we on dude we're on we are on the mics are hot how are you jim klein saucer <laughs> doing good doing good uh i'm gonna come right out the gate and say this and i know this is probably gonna embarrass you because you're a super humble guy um do you understand your icon status within this town and state? <laughs> uh, no, that's that's BS. <laughs> it's not BS though. It's so true. You know how many? So I've I've ran into a couple people, and when you agreed to do this, so it's just just within the last forty eight hours, right? Um, I've had a couple people say, "Hey, who's on your podcast this week?" And I said, "Oh, Jim Klein Saucer." And immediately, they're like, "Ah, oh, I love that guy." <laughs> you know, and they get like a smile on their face. I know that you're just being humble, but it is it is fascinating to me that when when everybody looks at your career, the 13 years you played with the Vikings, all with one team, which is just crazy, you have this like cult following of people that adore you. <laughs> you know, maybe part of it is, I mean, I'm from North Dakota. You're from South Dakota, yeah, right? You know, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota. It's just one one big area. The same mold of people. Yeah, I mean, I feel. So much at home here, you know, in Minnesota, just exactly like I did in North Dakota. The Midwest feel, the, you know, you're part of a community. Nothing's too big here, you know. You're, you're always, you always have that sense of community. And I think part of it is Minnesota has always been like a get after your work, get it done, you know, no BS, um, just like North Dakota and South Dakota. And I think that kind of, translates over I, I never like I've never been a big talker but you you say that but you but the funny thing is when we've had you on the KFAN airwaves um seldomly you're great at it and I even was telling you I'm like dude you need to I think that you should do this more often because we because the last time you were in talking about uh football and the Vikings and stuff you were kind of breaking down offensive line stuff and things that the nuanced part of the game that a lot of people think that they know but they don't really know and the way that you explained it 
and you talked and talked and you didn't have a lot of ums. You didn't stumble across yourself. You didn't like seem like you're uncomfortable. And I'm like, dude, you, you got to do this. Cause we don't have a voice like yours when it, when it comes to like <laughs> offensive line play, defensive line play, whatever. And you're like, yeah. And you just kind of chuckled it off. But you say that you're a quiet guy and not a talker, but you are. Well, I think I, I also said, said you guys that day, well, you know, I got to, I can't saturate my market, right? <laughs> like I've only got. Oh, now it's a strategy. It's a marketing strategy. <laughs> ah, gotcha. I can't. I, you know, I only got so much to work with, 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 with who I am and everything. So, I, you know, give give them a little bit, and then hey, you guys will want me back in in another year. You know, You're that's not, hard to get. Yeah. So you guys actually still like me. If you're, if you're around me long enough, you'll be like, oh God. No. All right. Let's get Never. get rid of this guy. Never. No. And I do think that that's part of your your lore. You know, is that you are a very private person. Uh, you're you're not out much. I mean, obviously, out in uh, in West Tonka and stuff like that where you live, you're very involved with your kids' sports and school. And so I'm I'm gonna guess if if anybody hears this podcast, you're like, you kidding me? Jim's he's he's out there coaching and he's loud and he's he's you know out there exposed. It's just I think people in the in the major metropolitan area and outside of your little bubble think like. You're you're just sort of this uh, this folk tale, like you know this folk hero that uh, that played with the Vikings, and you do represent sort of everything that is Midwest values. But because nobody really sees you, whether it's intentional or not, you've built this like great following of people. Well, I just I like being a normal guy. You know, everybody in you know Mount Minnetrista, West Tonkey area will tell you like, yeah, he's just a regular schmuck like all of us. So I I enjoy that. Like I enjoy I enjoy people giving me crap, you know? Where right. you're comfortable enough with people where you know what? They can call out your your BS, you know, and and give you crap about something. Like I enjoy that. Like it, it means like you're close enough and there's no pretentiousness, is that the right word? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. No pretense you know, about, yeah. You know, so it's like I don't know. I but you're a big human being. You know, I think that's part of it too. I mean, I know that you you probably have felt that your your whole life, even when you played, you probably felt that people couldn't come talk to you and view you as a normal person because you're a big fucking human being. <laughs> and now you've got this crazy long beard. And so from afar, you're kind of like, dude, that guy looks unapproachable. But you're anything but that. You're very approachable. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're a nice person. Yeah. It's <laughs> I know. Okay, well, you know when you come up and you're going through high school and college, and you're like, like you know, all oh, the fame, like oh, it's intriguing, you know. It's yeah. like, like you know, and obviously I was not like Randy Moss, you know, <laughs> or anything like that, you right, know. Right. I was I was just a football player on a, on a, on an NFL team, which still is kind of a big deal in the, in the area. And once you get there, then you're kind of like you yearn. What you came from, like <clears throat> you know, you yearn the mm-hmm. just the the complete genuineness of being a part of a community, um, you know, family life, and all those things that you grew up with. Like, yeah, there's a lot of great things to you know being you know football player and doing this and that. But then you're like, wait, you know, you get a little older, and then you're like, gosh, you know, what <clears throat> what is the meaning of of everything, right. and what what is worth anything in this world, right? Right. And, you know, come back to family and community and and just the wholesomeness of being a part of that community. But when did you feel like you 
you made that full circle revelation. I got to guess that when you first got in the, the NFL and you were drafted by the, the Vikings in 99, that all of a sudden the world just ex- exploded for you. Oh, God, yeah. You know, it just got, like, really big. And oh, it was, yeah. like, a lot of attention. And and all this kind of, like, quote-unquote fame just came hurtling at you. Did you have that perspective then, or did you kind of get, oh, ca- no. did you get caught up in it a little oh, bit? Oh, no. I, I was a complete idiot when I came. Let's be honest, you know. I mean, I, ca- I came from a graduating class of 57 in Carrington, mm-hmm. okay? I had the time of my life in high school. Went to UND College at the time of my life there. Um, and still was had that kind of the, the same feel throughout all of that. You know, it was just very similar from high school, going to college, um, then you get here, and it's just the the aura itself. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I come into the locker room, and that, that's Sean Randall. Oh my god! Oh my god! There's Chris Carter. Oh my god! Rand- oh my god! Randall Cunningham. You know, your your mind is is like blown, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, is who did real? you locker next to your when you were rookie year? Do you remember? Oh, it wasn't one of those like icon guys, right? No, I I was I was right in the same area as. Chris Carter, Jake Reed, and Randy Moss. No. Yeah. Because when it started off, I, I originally started off with um, the number 85. Yeah. And so that put me – I can't remember. Oh, was, so they did it by jersey number? Well, they kept, they kind of did wide receivers, tight ends, yeah, and then okay. the running backs. Yeah. I mean, I think they still kind of – they might have switched it up now. Yeah. I think when Chili came in, he, he mixed us all up. Yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, you did. Yep. Yeah, because I was next to like at one point in time, I was next to Percy, and Favre was right next to me. Yeah, you know, Greenway was over, but yeah, you were over by Greenway and Big Pat yep. and Kevin. Yeah, so it was all mixed up. But yeah. back, but when you came in though with Denny, yeah, it was, it was like done you, by your like, positions. Yeah, position. Yeah. Okay, and so yeah, and then it was just like completely surreal, you know, and and when you get in the game, it's like I mean, so much faster. In the NFL. I mean, like seriously, it's like a blur. Like I, I remember going into my first high school game as a freshman, and I was on the kickoff, and I, I don't even I I remember it vividly that I just had no clue what was going on. I mean, I was just, I'm just running just down, running, yeah, and. And I remember coming back, and I had no idea what happened on the play. I was just like, oh. So if the coach asked you, be like, hey, what happened? And you're like, I don't know. Oh no, my coach Marty Hochalter was one of the greatest coaches ever. Um, awesome guy he i remember him grabbing me by the face mask he's like if you ever run down and don't hit anyone ever again you're gonna sit on the bench the rest of the season and i'm just like i don't i don't really know what happened (laughs) okay (laughs) i'll go run into somebody i'll try to see if i remember that but yeah so and then you know going into the nfl was like kind of just like that i mean everything is like you've got so much information coming at you You've got everybody's a stud athlete. <clears throat> and, I mean, a play, like, there's no time for you to think and kind of see through things. Like, you have to develop the ability to perceive what's going on and boom, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah. And and that and that's hard. So you get to that point. But then it's just, I mean, culturally just being from such a small town and coming to this, it was like, I mean, of course you're like, you know, you kind of lose your mind a little bit. Yeah, and you're like, oh my gosh, all the go to this bar. Oh my gosh, you know, you partly the point when I I met my wife, you get into that that side of things, you know, you start to think about a family. It's kind of a weird, but it's like almost boom. Okay, right. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to grow up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. What's going on here? I, th- I think a lot of it always, you always kind of go back to if you had a good upbringing and you took a lot from that, mm-hmm. took a lot less from that, then that kind of stays with you. And I don't know. Which is, which is an interesting take because we've both seen where the same um, situation happens where a young kid gets drafted, let's say second round, kind of like you, the world opens up and they don't have that background. I mean, they don't have those, like, values that they hold close that they grew up with. And all of a sudden, they just they start running around, and they can't control themselves. You know, what's the old adage? Like, when someone is drunk, it only just magnifies kind of the your, 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 your own personality that is already kind of there. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the NFL, at least in this way, can be intoxicating in that way. And some guys just absolutely lose their minds, and they just become, like, other people and they don't they can't ever rein it back in that's where guys just fall off the edge because they're like holy shit well they don't have they never had a foundation they didn't have like some sort of core core, core values and all of a sudden they get money and fame and they're like fuck it let's go yeah <clears throat> yeah and, and you know i think that was a way bigger issue like back in the day and like when we first came in i think now it's they're pretty well controlled like to the point i mean it's it's a lot tougher to just be you know out there nowadays and i think what you mean like social media and stuff like that everything yeah everything is like just on top of these guys now and which is is good and bad right um keeps a lot of guys in check i guess Mm -hmm. um but you know i think maybe the nfl has done a better job of when we were playing you know the, the first thing was like well hey let's give guys the ability to you know get a ride you know without shame or anything if they've been out to get rid of this yeah. DUI BS, yeah. you know? And I think that was the, maybe one of the first steps of like, okay, yeah, let's actually take care of these guys. Because, yeah, we're all adults when we come out of college. But, kind I mean, we're, yeah, but we're not really. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're still, I mean, we're, we're still maturing and we're still figuring things out. And especially if you've come from, you know, certain backgrounds to, to, to this arena. I mean, it's, it's a jolting experience, yeah. you know? And, and there's got to be some you know, structure there and some help there in certain things. And I think the NFL has probably done a lot better job, and especially, you know, since we started playing, I think it's even gotten – I mean, it's gotten so much better. And I don't know, yeah, one one of the things for me too was, okay, I got drafted to Minnesota. Like, I was so damn lucky to be drafted here. And when I had my, my family here, they were able to come to all the games. Yeah. Most of my friends from college were working here. So I had that base here too. So I I still had checks and balances on myself, right? Now, <laughs> but also temptation though. But, you know, if you've got if you feel comfortable with your college friends that are here in town, there's also that that avenue of like I'm with my buddies and let's go party it up. Well, you know, no, the, the, I'm not saying there wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I still, but it was like I still had like within reach that I don't know if you call it thought or. The notion of, hey, my family and friends are here, you know. So let's keep it a yeah. little bit. I mean, not, not not to say that I always did, but you know, I know that that was always there. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say I got drafted by New York or somebody, you know, who knows what happens, you yeah. know, from go, coming from such you know small, you know, you like to say. Yeah. When I look at my career and your career, <clears throat> I was so fortunate that I I moved with my fiance now wife at the time Abby from Manhattan Kansas to San Diego if i had 
arrived in San Diego, California as a bachelor single guy that is now making NFL money. Scarily and honestly, I don't know where I would have ended up because my draft class and the guys be, uh, ahead of me, like the two two draft classes, they were all still single. And they would ask me all the time. They're like, let's go out. Let's go do this. And I'm like, nah. And I was kind of had my, you know, basically wife there. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do a little bit of that. But I wasn't just freelance, just running the streets the whole time. And I would see those guys come in just glossy eyed and, you know, <laughs> smelling like vodka, you know, in a huddle. And I'm like, dude, that could that could be me. And I didn't think about it at the time. But now the years out, I'm like, Kind of, kind of glad that I was away from my family, which was great because I had to grow up a little bit. But I was just so glad that I actually had somebody there with me. Yeah, you know, yeah, because that would have been rough. Because <clears throat> yeah. a lot of temptations down there. Yeah, well, as there are in any any major city when you're an NFL player. Yeah, totally. Well, I hate to interrupt such a great conversation, but I have to thank my sponsors. I couldn't do this without my sponsors, so I want to thank Douglas and Todd Small Batch Bourbon. Everything about Douglas and Todd is all Minnesota. The wheat, the corn is all grown within 30 miles of the distillery up in Osakis. It is distilled there. It's bottled in Princeton, Minnesota, and distributed around the country. It is bourbon season, people. The weather's getting cold, and I can't think of a better thing on a cool night. Nice little glass of bourbon. So Douglas and Todd's Small Batch Bourbon, please enjoy responsibly. 21 plus bourbon whiskey. It is 46.5% alcohol by volume. It is produced and bottled by Ed Phillips and Sons Company in Princeton, Minnesota. Thank you. Also, Pick and Shovelware. Head over to pickandshovelware.com. Check out all their awesome shirts and hats and hoodies. Again, it's getting a little cooler. I love a good hoodie and they make awesome hoodies and apparel that are specific to Minnesota. They have uh, all these fun graphic designs of your favorite sports teams, favorite sports moments as well. So very sports-centric, Minnesota sports-centric apparel company. You can get 20% off your first order at Pick and Shovel Wear if you just use the promo code LIEBER. That's L-E-B-E-R, 20% off your first order. And also to Wexford Harbor Insurance. They're an independent insurance agent representing over 40 different companies. The man, the guy that runs Wexford Harbor, Pat Kelly, look him up. He and his staff are sure to take care of you. They're going to find the best value for you, for your family, for your home, for all of your auto needs, anything that you're looking for, umbrella insurance, or if you're in the commercial space looking for a commercial insurance as well, over 40 different companies that he independently checks for you. That's Wexford-Harbor. That's H-A-R-B-O-U-R.com slash unrestricted to find them. Wexford-Harbor.com backslash unrestricted or email them at info at Wexford-Harbor.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Nowadays, I look at it's so different and, you know, just number one, being at the facility and what they do and stuff. Like, I mean, especially for training camp. I mean, part of it was like training camp, like, oh, my God, after a week of two-a-days, like, you had to go out and eat pizza and drink beer. Otherwise, yeah, you you're going to lose your mind. Yeah. You know, and, you know, now it's, it's you know, everything's more of a scientific approach, you know, they do it. You know, then you do one practice. You know, well, it's not, not really a grind, and I don't. Yeah. I, I know it's such an old man take, and, and you know, <clears throat> we all get together. Um, 
even outside of this, and, and we hang out and we, we bullshit and we talk and we do the old man thing where we are solving the world's <laughs> problems. But um, it is much more of a scientific approach, and it's it's not really a grind. I mean, they don't really have true two-a-days to no. what we grew up with. Now they have a walkthrough and then one padded practice, and a lot of them are, like, out of meetings at a, at a decent time. And, you know, some of these teams will just let their kids stay at let the guy stay at home and like uh, I don't know it's it's not you don't need to like blow off steam like we did yeah because it was nonstop just physical contact and high level stress and anxiety and you're like can we just have a day off yes before I can go and <clears throat> yes just relax yeah so the two a day deal when we were playing right every every training camp we'd be bitching and moaning about. Why do we need these two days? Right. These were meant for when guys had side jobs and they needed a month to get into shape. Right. Right. Like we work out all year long. We're in shape. This is this is BS. Right. Yeah. That's what we say at the time we're in it. But then when we're out of it, we're like, oh my god, these guys are so soft. Like what? they're so soft. Come on. Yeah. They're two days. Come on. I know. Well, we we <laughs> we wanted to have that lifestyle. Like, but I I truly believe that I would I would have not have developed into the player that I was. If I didn't have that sort of grind, no, yeah, me too. You know, because I, I, I needed that development. Yeah, you needed the, like the to learn the toughness. I from for myself, like yeah. I, like that, like like completely. I think helped me like just realize you know what what your body can take and and what you can get through. Um, I mean, that, it's you know pressure is like what kind of molds you, right? And if, yeah, and if you're put in there. And you know it's sink or swim. You got to got to get it done somehow. You got to figure it out. Um, I mean, I think it's. I mean, the perfect test. <clears throat> I mean, it's just like it's like life. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. that's what it is. And, and see that, and that's part of it that that I think it's lost a little bit is that now we're trying to manipulate the system so that people don't fail. And you can look at this and pull it even out of football and, and, and other pe- parts. I, I agree with that. But I don't think we need to change the rules and manipulate it so not one person falls through the cracks. When it comes to football, it's such a, it's such a merit-based system that <clears throat> it's not your right to make the team. You've got to earn that spot on the team. Yeah. And you could be the most physical person out there and have all these physical traits, run the fastest, jump the highest, whatever. But if mentally you can't handle it, then sorry, dude. Like this other guy that's maybe slower than you, maybe has more intestinal fortitude, might be mentally tougher than you. We can trust him, you know, in the fourth quarter of a big game because because of what he's able to do. And if you're mentally soft and you can't make it, sorry. Yeah. You know. But now, but we but we don't put those guys through those physical tests anymore. Well, yeah, it, and I, I know you've when we were in training camp. I mean, there was a handful of guys that you just saw wanted nothing to do with it. Nothing. <clears throat> and you could just see them, like, figuring out ways to, like, get out of this, mm-hmm. but without just saying, I'm, right. I'm done. I'm tapping out. Yeah. Right. Maybe whether, whether it was, like, an injury or, or, or something. I mean, we've had people being investigated for injuries that, you know, <laughs> been faked injuries, yeah. before, you know. Then all of a sudden, well, okay, then you're, you may leave in a guy on a team that you don't know is going to crack. Right. And then, you know, and then you get, we sound like two old dudes 
bitching about we the are. youth. Because we are. And, 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 we, and we, it's only going to get worse with every every birthday that we have. Oh, or it's just, it's going to get worse and worse. Well, I, 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 like, scare myself. and I mean, I'm not, not scare myself because, I mean, I love and respect my dad so much. But, like, I'm, I, I catch myself like, oh, I'm, I'm, I sound like my dad. Yeah. Like I use my dad's sayings now that he's used to say to me, you know, and I'm like, wait, what what happened there? And and then I'm like, wait, I'm acting just like my dad. Oh my, what's going on? But see, that's but that's also part of just being a dad and having life is always circulating around you so fast sometimes that you don't have time to process. Like your mind might be someplace else. And then like your kids come up or there's a situation that happened, let's say with your two boys, and it just pisses you off or they're asking like a million questions. And then you throw out like a dad liner and you're like, Jesus, did I just say it? Did I just really say that? That's what my dad would say to me. But you understand because it's you don't have the, the bandwidth to like process all that information all the time. And so you just have to throw out those things. Yeah. And I catch myself doing it all the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times I've said, because I said so. Because yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't have time to answer all of your questions in the detail that you want so you will do X thing that I'm asking you yeah, to do. Yeah, totally. It's like we are, we are like dictators. <clears throat> yeah, and like of course we, we are. expect compliance. Yeah. I, I, my, my youngest, 10-year-old, like he is like he's the talker of the family. And he like will really – pester you yeah he he wants to well like he and he likes he likes to debate a point and he likes to go into it and he well he wants to know exactly why he needs to do this like that th- doesn't fully make sense to him you know and when i say <clears throat> you know because i said so then there, it's it's always well you know the, the little light comment in the background like under his breath well i don't know and then i'm just like and then i get you yeah, know, then you get like, agitated <laughs> yeah why are you talking back? Like, why do you always have to have the last word? <laughs> that, that's our that's our number two, which is our middle co- child, and he's the one that's like, stop talking back. Well, well, I don't know what you mean. Just just do what we're asking you yeah. to do, and go do it. You don't have to put a, a smile on your face, but just please do it with a little bit of effort, so we're not going back over there to yeah. clean up whatever you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's but that's that's why I think. <laughs> You kind of, kind of have to respect it a little bit yeah. because it's like, hey, he's he's not he's not going to bow down to just anything, right? He's gonna he's gonna actually know what's going on, and he's gonna think for himself. It's a fine line, though. Because <laughs> it's a fine line. It's a fine line because it, if uh, if our two kids grow up and obviously they're looking for jobs and they're they're in the workforce, they also don't want to be that guy that the boss is like, would you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> Like, just would you just please get the report done the way I want the report done? Yeah. Can you please do this, like, yeah. without having a 15-minute meeting about why you have to do said thing? Yeah, that, and that's part of the deal because I've actually said that uh, to my youngest, like, several times. Like, hey, you got, you got to know which battles to fight. Mm-hmm. Like, you got, you, got to, you, got to, you got to be able to read the room a little bit and, like, know, like, when to pull back and when to let, let go with it, okay? And that's, like, that's like the hardest thing. And, like he's ten years old. Like, <laughs> he's yeah. not gonna get any yeah, of that. They're, they're not gonna process. No. J- just like, <clears throat> just like we're in our forties now, and we're just now processing why our parents said the things that they said. Oh yeah, <clears throat> you know. And they but were I, right about everything. 
We didn't Pretty, listen. No, we didn't. <laughs> we didn't listen. And we didn't take care of anything that, that we were supposed to take care no. of. No. Like, we didn't respect the stuff in the house. No. Yeah. So when they say stop playing ball in the house because we're hitting lights and stuff, yeah. now I understand why. Yeah, they got, they got dings in the wall, and I'm like, what, why would you do that? You know? Yeah. Like, I did that. Sorry. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't imagine you growing up with your sister because your sister was super athletic as well. Yeah. And yeah. You must have to thank your parents for having the patience because I'm sure you guys <clears throat> battled your asses off every freaking day on the farm. Yeah, well, especially like so with basketball, you know, we would always play. And she would like always beat me. You know, she was four years older than me. She's taller. She's better. <clears throat> and then there was a day where like I started getting bigger and I started getting too physical and I was starting to beat her in a game. And Do you remember how old you were at this time? I can't even remember. By eighth grade or something? Maybe. Yeah, maybe seventh, eighth grade. Yeah, because she, she would have been out of the house when you were a freshman, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, she just walked off the court. She's like, because she goes, you're way too physical. Like, you found me a crazy. She just walked off. And we never played, like, one-on-one ever again. That was it. <laughs> yeah. You killed it. <laughs> but... But so I was always growing up, like I was always Sherry's little brother. <clears throat> so mm-hmm. like, yeah, she was like <clears throat> unbelievable athlete. Um, and I never minded being that because I was like, I was super proud of her. You know, I'd be in the stands, like at the regionals, you know, like, oh, I wanted to go to state, you know, I'd be mm-hmm. there, oh, praying to the end of the game. It's a close game. Oh, come on. You know, all that. But I mean, she went to UND. She was the, uh, the Division II uh, Women's Player of the Year um, her last year. You know, I wish that she would have came out of school and there would have been, like, the WNBA here. Yeah, Cause yeah. she would have had an opportunity to do that. Um, she had offers to go play overseas, but at that point she's like, <clears throat> you know. Kind of like, I, what's the end goal here? Yeah, I, I just want, let me just get on with my life, you know, my yeah. career path. Yeah. So. Is she is she the main reason you went to UND? Because you had <clears throat> gotten recruited to a bunch of other places, right? Yeah, well. We would always go to games at UND, and so I knew a ton of people from there. Yeah. And so it was comfortable for It you. was comfortable. And they gave me an opportunity to play basketball, too, my freshman year. So, and that was one, that was, that was an important thing for me because I did, didn't want to have any regrets. Yeah. And I loved basketball. Like, basketball was like, I loved it. <clears throat> you know, I just didn't grow into my shoe size to make me legitimate, you know, anywhere. <clears throat> Why? So your shoe size would correlate to what? How tall? Six, nine, eight, six, eight at least. Jeez. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I got, have size 17 shoes, so. And you're six, six? Six, four. You're only six, four? Yeah. Why do you feel, you? whenever we stand next to each other, I always feel like you're way taller than that. Uh, so you're six, four with size 17 shoe? Yeah, that's probably a little disproportionate as far as that. yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I had I had big feet when I was real young, and like so, you know, seventh eighth grade. I think I had uh, size. I think I had size fourteens. Like even back then, it was really hard. Um, most of the time, I'd, I'd go into like there was a what was it? it was a gun and reel in Jamestown, and we'd go in there, and then we'd look at the catalog, the Nike catalog, right, <clears throat> and. The guy would sit there and go, oh, this one looks great. Can we get that in my size? And he'd call in. It's like, nope, they don't have it. And so every shoe you'd go through that you wanted, nope, doesn't have your size. And then you'd get like to the back page, and there's always that just frumpy, like, yeah. it's like the model that's been there for like Yeah, the Frankenstein shoe. Yeah. 
And it, oh, yeah, they got this one in your size. And you're like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> but, <clears throat> oh, well. It's like wearing, or, it could be worse things in life. Like, yeah. yeah. It's like you're the kid that has to wear the, the jeans that have the elastic band on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you remember when tight rolling, like, you, oh, yeah. that was a thing? I, I could never do that. Because, yeah, I mean, I had yeah my two giant flippers <laughs> flinging about with, I mean, I wanted to, like, uh, bell bottoms were more my style. Yeah. Uh, you didn't want to highlight your bows no, and feet? No. No. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> So then how long did your basketball career last at UND? Just the one year? Just the one year. <clears throat> yeah, I played my freshman year. And it was, I mean, it was really at that point, like, I was like, God, you know what? I love playing basketball, but, like, maybe football was, like, something I knew. Because I, you know, had been told by, you know, coaches and everything, hey, you got to do this. You'd be an all American doing this, and all. you know. So you got like, wait, maybe I could do something with this, you know. Right. <clears throat> and like, I, I always loved football. I always dreamed of being in the NFL. Right. And I mean, I, this is so dumb, but I mean, I'd go out in the wintertime with. I had I was a Redskins fan at the time, and I had Redskins helmet and shoulder pads, and I and I had a, a dog Smokey, <laughs> and I'd go out and play football with him. Because I'd run. With Smokey. Yeah. I'd run, and he would, like, every time I'd run, he'd, like, come and, you know, run and jump on me. So, I, I got, he's tackling me. <laughs> you know, I'd tackle him. Oh, yeah, this is great. You needed a brother. I needed a brother. Well, I mean, my my sister Sherry was awesome, but she she didn't play football in the wintertime. So. Oh, Oh, that wasn't her jam. In the that wasn't time. no. She would not. She was not into that. You know, she didn't want to hurt her finger. You know, for the basketball season. So, so how did you become a Theismann fan and a Redskins fan in Carrington, North Dakota? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good explanation. My uncle Russell. So our family used to. We would always, um, we all kind of lived in the same area of my my dad's side, and uh, we'd always get together on Sundays. You know throughout the year and Super Bowl Sunday was a big one that we always all got together sure <clears throat> and so my uncle Russell uh, um it was god what was what year was that it was the uh the Raiders Redskins Super Bowl okay and he bet me a dollar that the Raiders were going to win and so I said okay I'll bet you a dollar and so I was following the Redskins the whole game and I was like tired oh, I could win a dollar here okay Watching the game. I mean, I lost the bet, but from that point on, I was like a Redskins fan. Right. Because it actually made you watch the game more intently. Yeah. And cheer for the one team. Yeah. And then from from then after that, you just started paying attention to the team in the offseason and what they're doing next season, yeah. and then you became a fan. Yeah. And I mean, the Redskins brought me a couple of Super Bowls. They won a Super Bowl on my birthday one year. No. They, I think it was against Denver. Um, they just, they blew up Denver that one year. I can't remember what year that was, but it was yeah on the 31st of January. Do you remember your first trip to? Is it was it always FedEx? It wasn't always FedEx Field, but what was it before that? Like your first oh. trip as a as a Vikings player to Washington Stadium. Do you remember that? Like, was that a big thing for you or not? Yeah, when was that? I think it was like later in my career. I don't remember. So just the way the rotation worked, you didn't go there. Yeah, I don't think career. I went there for quite a while. And you were always a Redskins fan, even through college. Yeah. Well, in college, I wasn't really a, a fan, really. Yeah, of a team that really at that time, but more was like one because you're just like concentrate on your own shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's kind of the way I like. I look back. I was never a huge NFL fan to begin with. I watched Tampa Bay a little bit just because I like like 
Allstott and John Lynch and Derek yeah. Brooks and stuff. But then I got to K State and I'm like, I don't know if I ever really watched an NFL game for a while. Yeah, I I, I will say this. Um, I had a roommate from uh, Wisconsin, and uh, he was pretty obnoxious about his Green Bay stuff. <laughs> As they can be. Yeah, Schrancy. <clears throat> and so our whole house was like, we were all rooting for Vikings when there was a Vikings Packers game on. I mean, so you could say I was partially a Vikings fan at well, that they, point. Yeah, you know? yeah. <clears throat> for certain games. Yes, for, for certain, certain games. games. Do, so. you re- do you remember the um, the experience at Washington Stadium with the cheerleaders? Do you have any? Oh, in the tunnel? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like. Well, I know that we shared one. Because I was on the, we were on the team together. It might have been the last. It might have been a year before they actually canceled the, like, got rid of all that stuff because of their scandalous behavior. It was like the most bizarre thing ever. You're like, what? It was the best. I, like, I, it's, it was what, the what, best. what was the point of it? Did they really think like, well, that was something to get everybody off of their game, or I don't know. <laughs> that's still, so that's that's one of those moments when you watch. I don't know if you watches critically any sort of ho- made-for-Hollywood football movie. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Any given Sunday, whatever. Um, th- it's always sort of Hollywooded up. And there are certain situations like, that shit don't happen in the NFL. Like, whatever. Like, that's just a caricature of some other guy or whatever personality. That scene, like, in The Replacements, you know, and they, they bring the strippers in at, to be to be like the fill-in cheerleaders in, the, in that show – and and they're doing all their things on the sidelines. I'm like, that's the Washington Redskins. <laughs> that there, there is no like hyping up, over dramatic. Like what they do on that show, basically what happens in the tunnel as you're walking to the visitors' locker. Room. Yeah, I, when I it was so like it was like the most bizarre thing ever because it's like you're like, what the hell, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's just like it's kind of, you're you're not like I don't know I don't know how else to explain it but it was just like what is going on here like you know you're like like really oh I know <laughs> I know I remember walking down the walking from the field into our the little visitors tunnel <clears throat> and all the cheerleaders are there for us. so for the people that don't understand the the notorious nature of the behavior that the the Redskins grew, and they and they did this for every Sunday game for every away team they intentionally would stop. And stretch, basically, right there as the the opposing team is coming off the field. And we're not talking just like a couple arm stretches yeah. here and there and limber up. I mean, I walked past this girl where she was up against the corner of the wall with her leg all the way up with all of her goods basically showing, yeah. the front part of her goods showing. <clears throat> and I'm like, hey, what kind of hamstring stretch is yeah. that <laughs> up against the flat wall? Yeah. I'm like, damn, that's actually really impressive. Yeah, it is impressive, do- but yeah. But there's like they're like partner stretching with yeah, each the, other. Yeah, the provocative partner stretching. Oh yeah, and there are con- they they made comments too, and they like I don't even know if I want to repeat one of the comments that I heard from one of the. You but, can. This is a this is this is not a censored podcast. I know, but it, it was just like just oh. so. There's two of them stretching each other, and one's kind of bending over and doing this, and then I hear this. Oh, do you smell that? <gasps> and I'm like. That like seriously was like the most bizarre like what is going on? <laughs> I just like it just like blew my mind like what is like is this real? Yeah, like, what's it's the NFL baby? <laughs> 
I just remember all the guys jokingly walking into the locker room after they walked past that show. And the, and the guy's like, well, got to use the restroom. Going to the bathroom. Jeez. Just give me a minute. Got to get the poison out. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it sort of worked. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think when it comes to wins and losses, obviously, it's not like they they have this, like, amazing home record. But yeah. um, that was the first time I witnessed that. I'm like, that's real movie Hollywood stuff that oh, just yeah, happened right there. Yeah. And then we learned more about how oh, yeah. insane that whole – Oh, how insane. Yeah, that whole place was. Jesus. Well, I remember old Candlestick in, uh, with the 49ers. They had, like, a peephole. That's what they told me. I never saw it. Oh, the uh, – Philly had one, didn't they? I heard, Philly had I, one, too. I heard about that in the old yeah, one. Yeah, Philly had one, too. Jesus. Yeah. So I, And I never – nobody ever, like, pointed out. It was just almost like maybe, let's just say, a generation of players before. And it was still talked about in the locker room. Like, oh, yeah, the lock the, – the, that door right there, that other door is, like, where the where the cheerleaders would get dressed. And apparently there used to be, like, a peephole. Oh, God. I mean, that what place. A, what a wild west it what was back Way like before us, like oh my god. Well, how wild was it when you like the the personalities that you named? I mean, even just you know, John Randall has the same set, you know, iconic status around here. But when you walked into the locker room, was it sort of in in that sense? Did it seem wild like that? No, not at all. No, it, you know, yeah. Every time you come into a locker room, like you have your set of characters, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you could have a sitcom with. Every character in the locker room, I mean, it'd be the best sitcom ever. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but, like, I think when, when when we came in, like, there was, I think it was more of, like, a maybe a transitional period, you know, free agency was had been in, the new CBA was kicking in, the new TV deals. So, so with, with, with more money becomes a more of a mm-hmm. controlled atmosphere a little bit. And I think we were kind of part of that. Go, going over to that more uh, locked-in stage, you know, kind of get rid of the, the yeah. old-school Wild West feel. Um, when I first walked in to locker room, I mean, everybody just worked their butt off. Everybody right. had, like, everybody took care of their business, and there wasn't, like, just these insane things going on. You know, it was just... It was work. Yeah. It was work, and, yeah, some guys would go out. It, I, I, it wasn't like all the stories you hear, like from before us, you know. Right. Was, How did you adapt to the um, from from college having to having to balance the the school aspect and football to the NFL, where it's <clears throat> it's in a, in a proverbial sense, you know, nine to five is all football. Like there's no school. Like, did you enjoy that part of it, or did you wish there was a little less intensity when it comes to just straight football all the time? I enjoyed like probably you know. Not having to worry about class, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but then you have a different class. You just your test is on Sundays, <laughs> you right. know. And I was huge into working out and and that whole aspect. So like I I enjoyed that part. I enjoyed the working out. I you know it took a while to really get into you know the film study habits and like you know what you know because you you can watch film but you. You can watch two hours of it and not get anything out of it right. unless you know how to watch film 100%. and what you're looking for. <clears throat> and that takes time. It you know, takes veterans to kind of walk you through that process. So that initially was like, well, you know, you're watching boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, you're just sitting there. You watch plays and you're like, what, 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 what you know, what's, ah, <laughs> this, yeah. I got to get out of here, you know. 
And then you're like, you realize, okay, what am I looking for here? Okay, well, okay, there's the front. Okay, this guy. Okay, and you, and then you learn to walk through your plays. Mm-hmm. You know what you're gonna do in this situation. They're probably in this situation. They're probably gonna have this front. Okay, how do I gotta block this? Okay, what's their coverage here? And then you start to learn all those things. And then you're like, oh, and then you're like, you can't get enough, and you like almost feel like underprepared all the time because you're like all the time. I, 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 I need I I don't I don't freaking offices till midnight every yeah. night during the season because there's always something to break down, dude. I remember distinctly sitting in college, especially we were asked, you know, you know, the position coach is like, I want you guys to make sure that you're watching extra film too. It's not just about what we do here together. It's like you and so the veterans would be like, all right, guys, let's go watch some film, right? And they just kind of felt like, all right, it's just something that we feel like we have to do. We I'd sit there for an hour and a half and just stare at the screen and have no idea what we're watching. Yeah. I have no idea. I know why we're watching film to check that box, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm watching. And even the veterans at the time, they're just kind of like, "Yeah, that, that guy. That guy looks like he's pretty athletic." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that offensive lineman's pretty strong." Yeah. Like, okay, when 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 they pull, I guess I just got to make sure I really get underneath his helmet and get some leverage. I mean, that was about it. It yeah. wasn't like, "Hey, it's first and ten. You know, they've got this personnel group in here. Oh, that split by the receiver looks a little tight. You know, maybe there's something there to that." That's the type of stuff that you did in the NFL. Like, I did for five years in college. <clears throat> yeah. I had no idea what I was really watching. Well, well, the margins are so much tighter in the NFL. So that's where you need that little bit of edge. Yeah. You know, in college, and, you know, we're, we're all still idiots in college. <clears throat> and, you, you know, mostly you're, the physical part of the game can kind of carry the game for you, even if you're not fully synced into what is – actually going on um i think more so because there's just more disparity in 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 physical ability yeah college you know you get in the nfl everybody is a number one guy on their college team yeah. so all right now now we got to find something else to to give us an edge now you got so now you got to know mm-hmm. you got to know what that guy's doing because everybody's first step is like the fastest first step yeah. In the top college program. So now you gotta you gotta figure out, okay, how do I read what he's doing? You know, what when's he gonna do with this situation? And and I think I mean, especially like at UND, like I didn't really have to know a lot. I mean, you know, you knew basic coverage, you know. Yeah. You know, you knew basic you know, front here and there. But that was really all you I mean, it wasn't a lot that we needed to dive into, you know. And I think and then you get into the league, and it's just like, holy shit. Like, I still have uh, – I don't know what year it's from, but I have a training camp book. Yeah, like, like the three-ring binder. Yeah. I mean, it's like three inches thick. Like, And I'm like, holy – like, you know, I think about that, like, <clears throat> when you come in to the league, like, holy shit, that's like a lot to process. I mean, it's not – like, I, I would look at some of the stuff when they'd have fronts labeled, I'm like – well, that's a, that's an underfront, right? Yeah. And then like, well, no, they got something else labeled on it because the guy over here is shaded a little bit this way, and then it's like, what? You know, every little nuance is you know picked apart. Even the um, when I first got in the league, <clears throat> we got the same like three ring binder. It wasn't even so much the offensive identification, like all the verbiage that you have to know just from your own defense stuff. Oh yeah. Like just to speak the language. Oh my god. I mean, I was so overwhelmed. I'm like. Because the, the coaches would talk to you and say, like, well, what did you do on this coverage? Did you did you buzz that? Did you, you know, whatever. You know, whatever. And, like, throw out all the – I'm like, I, I, 
<laughs> I don't know. I just dro- I dropped. Were you plus one on the hash or minus one? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I was just outside the hash, a couple yards. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, there's there's just so much, and it's that. Yeah, it's and preci- it's precision too. <clears throat> and one of the things oh, that right. really it has to be like precise. Yeah, like it, one of the things that frustrated me as a rookie so much is you know you'd be playing and like let's say I'd be playing tight end and I was blocking and I blocked the guy like took him two yards off the line no problem with that but then you get downgraded because your first step was a little wrong or you know it, like these little things that would just drive me nuts you oh, know yeah. but then you kind of realize you know okay the whole purpose of that is just to get you into that drone do it right every time every yeah. time every yeah. time yep. like you know we still come out and do the same like basic fundamental drills that we did in high school and college mm-hmm. right there's a reason for that and yeah, that was tough it was tough accepting that like because i'm like i would always say like i put the guy in his back what more do you want like well you, your first step was a false step and you opened up and it it worked here now but well that's the thing like, later it could come from and you don't if, realize if you that. had to, if you had to play a guy like John Randall for seventy snaps a game, <clears throat> yeah, you might do that once, but we need to do that sixty five <laughs> other times, seventy other times. Like, yeah, and you if you don't have that first step, that clean first step, he's gonna he's gonna kick your ass. Yes, and I'm sure he did. Yeah, <clears throat> I you know John Randall. Okay, oh, greatest guy in the world, man. Yes, I love him. Um, my first training camp practice morning of. I'm coming out of the locker room. And this was the old man Cato locker room. So it was like a single bench, and then you had little lockers on the sides. But we could all barely fit in there. You know, it was crazy. And I come out, and John Randall's staring into the mirror. He's got his face painted already, and he's just screaming at the mirror, I'm in the Matrix. I'm in the Matrix. What? (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, and I'm like, Oh my God! <laughs> like I, I, I'm in trouble. <laughs> like oh, and you know you're gonna have to line up against him. Well, I never had to line line up like uh, really against Johnny because he was an, yeah, you he know, was inside an interior, inside, yeah. inside guy. I mean, there were times where you you'd end up mingling, and right? You're like oh, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I. I had a similar experience. Uh, I had a guy named Jamal Williams with the with the Chargers, big D tackle, same sort of thing. Thankfully, he was on. We were on the same side of the ball, but uh, he did one of those kind of like crazy. Like I, I felt like I don't, I don't freaking belong. He's just been elevated from like the twos to to go with the ones, and we get done with it, and they move on to the next drill, and we're standing next to each other, and his eyes. Now he didn't have face paint on, but his eyes were like huge, like dinner plate saucers, and he's just kind of looking around. And I'm like, Maul, you okay? He's like, did we win? I go, did we win what? He goes, did we fucking win? I'm like, oh, this guy's crazy. I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't belong here. We did it. We did yeah, it. Yeah, we did it, man. I just kind of like, yeah, we did. I'm like, I don't know if he's talking about the drill or what. Like, did we win in life? I don't I don't know. Like, he was nuts. And I had, I was lockered right next to him in training camp, and he would just sit in his locker and stare at his locker, like, after practice. And I'm like, I don't know what this guy's on. I don't know what's going on. But, like, he's one of the guys that, like, really doubted whether or not I had the intensity to play in the league. Oh, yeah. 
because he was already established in the league. I'm like, so this is what it takes to make it in the league? Like, I'm not this crazy. Yeah, you got to lose your mind and make it. <laughs> um, you had the um, – it's kind of crazy when you look back at your career that how many head coaches you played for. Because there hasn't – there's been, what, nine in the history of the, of the Vikings, eight or nine. And you played for four of them. Yeah. Right? Denny Green. Yep. Mike, Chili. Mike Tice. Mike Tice. And, and then Leslie Frazier. Yep. What can you – what's um, – if, if I had to ask you, like – how do you sum up each guy in like a, a sentence or a paragraph? Starting with Denny Green, you got drafted by Denny. Denny, oh, you know Denny was great. Uh, I love Denny. Denny had De- Denny let like you know he let his coaches coach, um, and he was the type of guy. He's like, hey, like I, I won't find you. I'll just cut you. Like so, you had Which that is powerful, go- yeah. Like so, that was a big thing. You know, it's like, hey, just take care of your business. Yeah, be you an know? adult. Be, be a professional. Yeah. And I mean, I enjoyed playing for Denny. Um, and you know, obviously, he's one that gave me my start, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he, yeah. you know, he ha- he he drafted me. So like, gosh, like you know, I got all the <clears throat> things in the world for him. Well, didn't they trade draft picks to get you as well? Yeah, with Pittsburgh. Yeah. Mike Tice, I loved Mike Tice. Um, my, I think Mike Mike Tice is like like really knows football. Um, I think he was. I think he was handcuffed probably um, by the, the the McCombs era, um, just for uh, salaries, both coach salaries and player salaries. Mm-hmm. Like we were always the bottom of the right. league, you know. And we and we were, you know, we were a competitive team. Um, and I, I enjoyed playing with him on offense because he was really. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He was a former tight end, and so he like, you know, kind of understood. The whole game from that aspect. I mean, he was a little rough at times, <laughs> you know, but I I never had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Like I was kind of like I could take that, and I could see how some people like. Hey, you just, were probably fortunate that you had been in the league for a number of years before he took over. Yeah, it, it, you it, know, if you it, walked in it, in '99 yeah. and he was your head coach, that would probably be hard. Because and then part of that is too. It's like you know, so there's you know. There's giving guys, you know, a, a, a little ribbing, you know, and, you know, uh, and then there's kind of giving them a ribbing to give them a message, you know, type yeah, of deal. Yeah. And then there's, you know, they're just, hey, straight out, just I'm going to be an asshole to you. Like, you know, I'm gonna, right. you know, there's there's that kind of spectrum of things. And if you don't know what's what, like you take everything as like personal. Yeah. Especially back in our day, we would always like any injuries like and, and we were. I mean, we're part of the problem, too, because I even, like, at times would be like, you know, you walk through with somebody who's injured, and you're like, you know, get your ass out here. Well, you know, you yeah. know, I wouldn't, like, say it that way, but there was that undertone to everything, right? Yeah. You know, like, like, like get done with this bullshit and, and get out here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not that bad. Come on. Right. Because, it, you know what? Because it affected us in our practice reps. We had to oh, take more sure. reps. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and all, and all those things would always come in, and he would, like... He, anybody was in the training room, it was like, you know, hey, the the Eaters and Sleepers Club. All right. <laughs> and, and then he would he would come in on uh on like a, on Wednesday and he'd he'd walk into the team meeting and he'd go, it's like somebody was like on IR or somebody sitting in the front and he'd, he'd be backing up with his hand out on his pocket and backing up going beep, beep, beep. <laughs> hey, who am I? <laughs> I'm so and so grabbing my check. <laughs> check stealing. <laughs> I was, yeah, I I I enjoyed playing for Mike. I wish he would have had uh, probably a little more 
support yeah. from the team at that time. I think we could have done a lot of good things. Um, uh, chili, I I like chili. You know, right at the start, he kind of was kind of like you know, which every new coach kind of like goes through the hey, yeah, I got to I got to put it, my stamp on it, yeah, and I got to like set the tone, kind of know who's boss, yeah, and you're kind of you know maybe weeding out people that aren't mm-hmm. gonna fall along with you, and but but it's still it's hard right away because you're just like oh you know you take everything like guys this guy's jerk you're like what's going on with this practice I you know. know and this and that well you, I don't know do you remember our first padded practice in Mankato dude our our OTAs like I, I would be like completely exhausted after our like warm-up yeah we do like warm-up for a half like our, 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 our individual group for like a half an hour and and it was just like boom 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 and I was like dead so I yeah like I get the nine on seven I'm like oh my god <laughs> Well, you know, part of it was for me, it was, you know how expectations can kind of mess with your mind? Because I came in with him. So I'm trying to do my due diligence on like, you know, what, who is this guy and what's the, and everybody's like, oh, you guys are going to love him. West Coast system, Andy Reid, practices are super chill. Like, you know, all, all this stuff. Like, it, it basically sounded like we were going to walk into a little bit of a country club. Like, not super physical and, you know, all this, all this stuff. And... OTAs and minicamp were freaking a bear, a bear. And then that first padded practice at training camp, I remember we go through that first, like, quarter of practice, um, you know, all of our individual stuff, I think even special teams. And he goes, all right, let's call it up. Everybody get in here. And I'm like, hell yeah. (laughs) I'm like, this is a great first day of practice, right? Thinking we were going to, like, walk off the field or, like, take the pads off and, like, do that's when he was like, all right, we're going two periods live to the ground. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then we did that for every day for, what, nine days straight we scrimmaged. Yeah. Nine days straight. You know the worst thing about that year, too? <sighs> was, so in our first preseason game, I think it was against uh, the Raiders. Yeah, it was the Raiders. So I'm on kickoff return, opening kickoff of the preseason. All right. And I come down, I can't remember who, somebody came just flying in, you know, somebody's like trying to make the team. Yeah. And they just supermaned it, trying to superman through the wedge. And they caught my thumb and tore my thumb. So I had gamekeeper's thumb, so my thumb was just kind of dangled there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. So this is the opening kickoff return, right? So I go off the sideline, and she's like, all right, let's just wrap it up, whatever. So we wrap it up. So I finish the game. And I'm like, I come in the next day to, to the training room down in Mankato. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get some time off here. I'm going to have to practice with this thing. Yeah. And like, oh, well, I think we're going to we'll do surgery after the season. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just have to practice with it. Fine. And I, was, I mean, I was just like gutted, like, oh, my God. So the, the, the training worst. camp, first year coach training camp, always tough, right? Yep. And now I got my my thumb is torn. Oh my god, I felt sorry for myself. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, it's kind of it's kind of an important. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge deal, and it probably hurt like hell. That, yeah, I had a little plastic deal on it, and then you'd have to tape it in, and uh, it was a pain in the butt. Yeah. So uh, so let's finish up, and I'll go back to that. So then Leslie Frazier, which we are both a part of. But. Yeah. I, li- I like Leslie, too. Um, I think Leslie 
is more of a veteran team coach. Like if you got if you have just a ton of veterans, you have an old team. Like Les Leslie's your guy. I think yeah. I think he should have been a little more firm with young guys yeah. and like you know like setting their ways and what they do. But I mean, I you know you look you look at all these coaches and like I enjoyed them all as human beings mm-hmm. and I enjoyed them all as coaches. You know, it's like anything else. You know, you're going to have kind of disagreements with certain things and everything. But I mean, I don't. Really have anything bad to say about yeah, anybody? That's yeah. I mean that's super fortunate to be able to say that. Yeah, and I think it's I don't know if you've gone through this stage. I mean, there's certainly times when you're going through it at the moment, and you're just like cussing this guy out. Like, <laughs> this is so stupid. Why are we doing this? You're questioning everything. I mean, you know, Chili'd always like make fun of us as like our group of guys. Like we're the sport bitchers because we would just like it, it doesn't matter if it was a sunny day and we had a day off, we'd still, still bitch about yeah. it just because it was something to bitch about. But, you know, the older I get, the more I step away from the game and you look, you reflect back and you're like, man, these guys, they were doing their best. They do, they are trying to make decisions that were the best, best for the team. And, like, there are bits and pieces that are, like, really appreciated about all of them. Like, we gave Chili shit all the time for all the, the, the Saturday night meetings where he was always trying to motivate us. But at the same time, like, I kind of appreciated the fact that he would take the time every week to think about, like, Okay, how am I going to motivate fifty three grown ass men? Yeah, he put he put in like yeah. a little bit of work to put yeah he put a lot of stuff work. together yeah. yeah he put some work into it and so like some of it fell flat, but I do appreciate the fact that like he was always trying to like educate us and like keep us thinking about a perspective of something yeah. you know I'm like man I you know we end up he and I end up having our differences at the end of my career but like I generally enjoyed him too yeah. like he has his, he has quirks but. Every, yeah, mean, we all do. We all do. We, we all do. I mean, it's it, God. It's a tough job, right? I mean, I can't imagine getting up in front of a group of highly paid guys that all think that they're the cat's ass, and uh, and you've got to like you know lead them, yeah. And tell them when they're screwing up. And, yeah, you got to beg them to play their best. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Like, just please go out there and do everything yeah, you're supposed just to. Just try. Doing. Yeah. So, oh. what what was the most painful injury you had to go through? Mm. I know you had your ACL, right? Yeah, ACL. ACL, ACL yeah. but that didn't hurt. I mean, after the surgery, you know, and the rehab stuff, that, yeah, that kind of sucked. But but thinking about your, your thumb, like what was the injury that you had to play through that was the most painful? Or probably the thumb. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Just because it was always there in everything I did. And, you know, you could never shield it yeah. from, yeah. you know. Well, and if you tried to if you try to protect, that means you're not using one hand. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> At least if you had a shoulder injury, you could use your other shoulder. Yeah. Well, yeah. I had a, so I had a rotator cuff um, my rookie year. That sucked, um, and I, I think I missed what three, two, three weeks, and that sucked initially because you. I mean, you couldn't do anything. Like yeah, it was just like couldn't lay down in bed. Yeah. Yeah, that sucked, but. Yeah, probably the thumb because I played. I mean, I didn't have any time off and played with it. Well, then I, I broke my hand. The one that, well, that wasn't as bad as the thumb. And I had that. I had a, a screw put in or whatever you want to call it. A rod or like, like a, a rod. Pin. Yeah, a little pin put in. It was like this middle bone, my middle finger. Yeah, and that stuck because they had to uh, keep the one end outside, kind of you know. So it was like right there, so they could pull it out when it was time. 
So you had a little piece of metal sticking out of your hand at all times. Yeah, well, every time I'd go like this, the block, it would just like cut Catch. into everything else. Ah. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, I, every game I would be like, I remember going, going to Void, like, hey, can you just like put some Novocaine right there? Yeah, and he's yeah. like, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, just a little something? <laughs> Got some Ambacil? Will that get through the skin? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, now that you're you're done and you you have kind of looked back at your career, um, what do you what do you miss the most about playing? Uh, I mean, is it is it the is it the camaraderie? That it's just about? yeah, the locker room. Um, I think part of part suffering through something with other people, you know, and you're like you're you're all in it, you know, and you're all in this shit together, like that type of deal. Like that's like I don't know. I think that's some pretty powerful stuff. You know, know, just I'm I'm with you. I think that bond that that you have of going through something at that point in time so awful together, it almost puts you in a separate club. Yeah, that nobody else will ever understand. Yeah, and and we and we say like awful, like it's all relative, right? Like we're just talking. Yeah, yeah, we're not truly like in a foxhole. Yeah, no, but yeah, totally. It's it's the um, I know you're you're you, you have a common goal. And you're dependent on each other. You know, football is like, I mean, every guy out there on the field at, at one given time is like a, like accountable to yeah. every other, every all the 10 other guys out there. You know, and everybody needs to be, you know, working together on the same page with that. Yeah, and I think just the, you know, just it, locker room was fun. Maybe you know, it's it just, you know, there's no, you know, you know, just the level of comedy, I guess. I mean, it. I mean, it is just off. I mean, off the wall. It's just. I mean, I, as soon as you walk in, it's just straight comedy show. I mean, that's what I loved about it, you know. And just being, just hanging out, you know, waiting for a meeting to start, you know, and yes, that it, it's phenomenal. Really, think about it. I know. I wish it was one of those things that you um, that I could go back and experience. And be there without having the level of stress and anxiety sometimes when you're going through it. Yeah. You know, because I I don't – I know I missed a lot of those those moments, whether they're fun or otherwise, because you're kind of in your own head as you walk into meetings. You're like, all right. Especially like on a Monday. Oh, yeah. You know, on a Monday after the game, it's like you're in your own head space because you're just – you're about about to walk into the chamber to get (laughs) – You're trying to remember plays? Like, oh, my God. Uh yeah, which play did I did I screw up on? Which play am I going to get yelled at the most for? Um, but isn't it amazing? Like you'd be watching the game, and like I could tell my coach as we're watching play back at the game, I could tell him everything that I was thinking about. Yes, through every snap, and I could tell him. Well, no, I saw him. Uh, see coming. Oh, yeah, see he's coming down here. I mean, it was amazing. Like, <laughs> well, and you knew it because you knew it the second it happened. Yeah. You know, that was the, that was the thing about playing at that level when I started to understand the game more was like I knew when the play was over whether I well, that's a plus or you know that's oh yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's going to be a minus. Like I know exactly what why I screwed up and what happened and why I screwed up. Yeah. You know. Um so you have that that ability to sit on the sidelines and have 24 hours and be like, "Okay, I 
I know what plays I'm going to get yelled at for. And it truly is like that old thing. Like it's never as good as it seems, never as bad as it totally, seems. Totally, totally. And I don't know how many times I'd walk out of that meeting on a Monday just so relieved because I built this thing up in my head for 24 hours that I was the worst fucking player in the NFL. Yeah. I am going to get cut. I'm terrible. And then I walk out and like, wow, I actually graded out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's totally it. And even like there could be one play – I've had this multiple times. It'd be one play that you're not really sure what exactly happened. Yeah. And you're like, but you kind of feel like you might have messed it up. Nobody has said anything to you, but you're like, you know, there's a thought or you just have no clue of what happened on the play. And you're like, I I don't know what's going to, what happened on the play. I need to see that on film. And that'll like all night long, like, and then all you wake up in the morning and you're thinking like, what kind of, what? You're trying to remember and you're trying to think what happened, but like one play can like just like oh. totally take over your mind and like oh my god, <laughs> and then you see the play, you're like, oh yeah, oh not bad, all right, yeah okay, <laughs> I'll, ta- I'll take it. <laughs> or, or or somebody else played it so poorly, <laughs> you get forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, you kind of forgot about it, and you kind of like, well at least I'm not that guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I guess my play was bad, but way it was way worse, and all the attention's on that guy. Oh God. Yeah, that's that's the worst part. Um, well, um, let's wrap this thing up, man. I, I appreciate. It. We really could banter for, I mean, many more hours. I think. I know. Um, we really didn't really talk about your your complete transition away from the game. I. I we could we could go down that road a, for a little a little bit, but um, it's always one of those things where the 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 veterans would tell us to kind of prepare for that. The old hats would tell us like how to prepare for transitioning and all that stuff in life after football. And you sometimes shrug it off, and even if you do take it to heart, it never is quite like experiencing it when you actually do it. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, did you feel like, and maybe you even feel like this now, like? Is it as bad or is it as worse than you expected as far as the transition away from the game? Well, I wouldn't say bad or worse or anything, but it's just so different than what, you know, especially, you know, college and coming in the, in, in the, into the NFL and then leaving is now you have to make your own schedule, yeah. right? You have to grow up a little bit because we're still, we're still in that a, a little bit of a, you know, back in that college sports mind or, mm-hmm. you know, younger mindset of, okay, they have to kind of set yourself up with some discipline coming out. And that's probably like just the hardest thing because when you're out right away, you're like, oh, I don't, I just don't want to do anything for just a little bit. And then that like ends up like, whoa, this, <laughs> this yeah. is not good. Yeah, this is not good. I can't do this the rest of my life. Yeah. But uh, yeah, probably just the, the rigor of this, of a schedule and, and having, you know, for most of the year, you're having that, you know, given to you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and obviously it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to, are you going to, you know, be at home and, you know, figure something out there? Are you going to get into a career in some way? But the problem with with NFL players in any sports really is, you know, unless you played a long time and <clears throat> you made good money, like, you have to get in to a career. And, well, then you're like, wait a sec. I'm, like, 10 years behind all of my peers. Yeah. Like, they're already into their, you know, second promotion or wh- wherever they are in, in this whole thing. And now I'm starting at the bottom. And who wants to take on a 28, 
or 32 year old, you know, intern or, you know, entry level guy. Like, that's tough. It's really tough. That's the real tough thing. But that's part of the, you know, they always talk about, you know, working your connections, you know, uh, networking and getting out there. I think that's helped a lot of guys, you know, especially, you know, working through, you know, their old colleges, Mm -hmm. you know, alumni. You know, there's a kind of a bit of a safety net with that, Mm -hmm. getting guys, you know, into certain areas. But it's a really weird phenomenon to be, to walk away from a career uh, whatever and someone ask you, well, what are you good at? (laughs) And you're like, well... Running for, into people? Yeah, for us, I don't know. Like, there's no, what did I just do for the last how many years in the NFL? How does that apply to the workforce? Now, I know that there's like the idea, the, the virtuous things of like, well, you're a hard worker, and obviously you've had to sacrifice things, and you're willing to kind of, you know, do things for the greater good, all those like little things. But as far as like, I don't know how to work an Excel spreadsheet, I oh, don't yeah. know how to do a PowerPoint presentation, I don't know how to look at a balance sheet like i don't like we have to like relearn all of those things and i know that there's guys that have look i got a college degree but what i I haven't done anything like in that in that capacity for years you know our our good buddy heath farwell when he got out he was in the business world a little bit and he was like, dude, how do you do an Excel spreadsheet? I go, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I got to do this. I got to do this program, this report for my bosses, and I don't know how to put in. I go, I, I, I don't know. Google. I know. <laughs> and he felt swamped just like with that, you know. Oh, yeah. So I think it's um, it is such an interesting thing because we – I think we have a lot of skills that, be, that that would work for us, but when you're asked about it, off the top of your head, you're like, well, I don't know what I'm good at. Yeah, we don't. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to bring value to your company. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that in an interview. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. If you're sitting down for an interview, don't be like, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, you should probably sell yourself a little bit. But um, well, obviously you're doing you're doing well, and um, you know you're you're highly involved with your kids' lives, and um, you're doing great things, and um, it's always good to see you. You know, good to see you too. Um, and you you are an an icon that I think people are going to uh, to love to hear from you. <laughs> and um, and you're out and about. You're in public. So that so that that big that big tall burly guy that you guys people see walking around that is Jim. Klein's I'm awesome. getting a little wider now and, too. And, and please go up to him and say hi because <laughs> he's a nice guy. So I appreciate it, man. Good yeah. to see you. Thanks for having me, Ben. Appreciate it. And thanks to all you guys for listening. Uh, please, once again, please subscribe. Uh, tell all your friends and family about the Unrestricted Podcast. Um, please leave reviews. I've had a lot of great reviews, and and truly they mean a lot to me uh, that people are actually leaving some feedback for us. And I want to thank Pick and Shovelware. Please go to pickandshovelware.com uh, to order all your stuff for the holiday oh, season. I've got an announcement. Pick and Shovelware. You do? Yeah. What's the announcement? You're hearing it right now exclusively. Yes. Um, so there's going to be a shirt with with my likeness on, with my nickname uh. Sauce on the front. Um, so that that's going. I think that should be out here. Um, so today is what the ninth. Today the is word, the ninth. Yep. That we're uh, recording this. So um, she'll be out as soon as you hear this. It'll be out on. No way. Silverware. Yeah. So I worked with the guys. A uh, great group of guys. Um, part of the proceeds are going to go to the uh, West Tonka Food Shelf <gasps> in Mount West Tonka area, which I think is a huge need now for a lot of people um you know a lot of service workers are not able to go into work um 
tough times around the holidays here. So hopefully we can. Dude, that's can help awesome! Out that. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, that is. So I I have seen the artwork for the for the T-shirt, and I I knew that you guys were talking about it, but I didn't want to bring it up uh, live if we if if that kind of fell apart. So I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I'm glad you brought it up. So people. Pickandshovelware.com. Uh, check out the the Jimmy Klein saucer sauce shirt, and you're gonna love the artwork because it, <laughs> it, it's it's perfect for for what he he is, and it kind of encapsulates everything that he is, and the intensity and the fire and all that stuff. Um, and it is gonna go to a good cause. So um, you're gonna do something good for yourself. You're gonna go do something good for the community uh, for the food shelf out in West Tonka. So um, yes, pickandshovelware.com for that. Uh, I also want to thank um, my buddy Pat Kelly and his staff at Wexford Harbor Insurance. Whether it's commercial, uh, individual, he is a he's a broker that can give you um, you know 50 different quotes and companies on all of your insurance needs. So check him out. And also want to thank Douglas and Todd. And, and Jimmy, I gave you some Douglas and Todd there so you guys can sip on stuff thank during you. The, the holiday season. Uh, Dig- Douglas and Todd, gold, gold medal winning uh, Minnesota-born and made bourbon right here in this great state. So that'll do it, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.